So at this time, I'll turn it over to Pastor Jack. He's going to speak to us about spiritual warfare. They've kind of a closeout of Pastor Nathan's series over the last few weeks. Of course, uh, Nathan's been talking about spiritual warfare, and uh, he's, I know I listened to the last, his last couple of sermons, so I know he talked about prayer, which is very, very important, and he talked about putting on the armor of God, which is very, extremely important. But today, I want to go just a little bit deeper. I want to talk about the problem that we have in our country, or in the world, in our church, and that's demonic. And so, I, I would like to uh, look at uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I'll be reading out the NIV um, Bible. Anyway, uh, my big idea here is that Christ will always come when we call. Now, obviously, when you start talking about spiritual things and you start talking about demonic, that's pretty scary. And most people don't want to hear it, don't want to talk about it. But I've been doing uh, crisis counseling now for, I don't know, 13 or 14 years. And what I've discovered in the past two years is that a lot of people that I counsel with have a demonic influence on them. It's either from a uh, generational curse or it's from something that they had done before they got saved because there's always consequences to sin. Now, just because you get saved and you ask Christ in your heart to be your Lord and Savior and God forgives your sins, that does not necessarily remove the influence that Satan has on you. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we get rid of that influence? So at most now at the end of every, when I deal with people at the end of every, every counseling, uh, when they're done, about ready to walk out of the office and not come back again, I take them through a, a prayer and an anointing to break any generational curse that is on them or any uh, way a spirit could be influencing them um, because of something that they had done in the past. Now, I got a phone call on Tuesday morning, and it was from a local pastor from a local church here, and they're doing very well. And so he said to me, he said, um, he don't know me, I don't know him, but he got my name somewhere. And anyway, he said, I'm in a little trouble. I need some help. And he said, I got your name and I'm hoping you can help me. And he said that what happened was two weeks ago, a young woman came into the church and uh, she wanted to talk to him after the service. And so when she, when he did that, turns out this young woman is in a Satanistic church locally. And what they do, uh, what they have been doing, they've been picking out certain churches that are doing well, and so what they do, they pray a curse onto the church and onto the pastor. And she said that for some reason, I don't know how they figured this out, but it wasn't working on this guy in this particular church, so she came there to find out why. Well, anyway, she, the message must have done something to her. Anyway, what happened was she met with him, they talked, she told him that she wanted out of this cult, and he prayed with her to receive Christ, and she did. Now, he said, I don't know what to do with her now, because she said, definitely, that woman's got some evil in her. Uh, she's been in the, her Satanistic church, well, since she was born, because her father is like a warlock. 
And I know this kind of stuff sounds kind of crazy in our modern culture, but there is um, a Satanistic church in the area, and there are Satanists who actually pray against and go against the churches in the area. So this is not like a storybook movie stuff. This stuff is really happening. So what what we've done, I've made an arrangement with him. He's talked to the young woman, and we're going to start meeting, and the goal is to deliver her from whatever uh, supernatural being she's got either in her or around her. Now, I I told the pastor, I said, it's going to get scary, and it's going to get in-depth, and it's going to get pretty touchy, but uh, your God is stronger, my God is stronger. And so we're going to stand tight, and we're going to deliver this lady. And it's going to take a little time, so just let her know it's not going to happen with some kind of a magical touch, and everything's going to be over with. I've done these before, so it's not like I'm an expert at anything, but I know where to go. So anyway, and, and uh, if you're familiar with Mark 5, it's all about the guy in the, in the, um, in the tombs that was... Um, a demon possessed. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. So hope is coming to this guy. It's a regular day. It's a day of pain. It's a day of lostness. And he, it's just a regular day for him where it's just trouble and turmoil. What he doesn't know is that Christ is coming to relieve him of all the past things in his life. So if, uh, if you read kind of back chapter 4, you'd realize that these guys, uh, the Jesus and the disciples, had been on the other side of the, the lake there, and they had been doing teaching. And then, of course, that night there was, a, if you remember, it was a big storm, and Jesus was asleep in the front of the boat, and the disciples were getting no sleep because they thought they were going to capsize. And they wake up Jesus, and they ask Jesus, boy, aren't you really concerned about us? You know, this is dangerous. We're going to sink out here, and we're all going to die. So Jesus gets up and he calmed the storm, blew these guys away. They found out that Jesus has control over nature. Now, they've been following this guy for a while. Jesus can tell them that stuff, but until you see it, you you hear it, but it don't necessarily fit in. So um, the disciples, I can kind of imagine, give it a, whoa, 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 what is up with this guy? Who is this guy that can control nature. So, Jesus is about ready to give them a show and tell that they never seen before. And so they drop off on the, on the beach. They get across the lake, it says in verse 1, which is um, kind of like to me the setup. They're going to go where the problem is. And that's what Jesus does for you and I. He always takes us to where the problem is, and he'll come to us in our problem. So anyway, um, it says, And Jesus got out of the boat. A man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons from his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So this is a pretty sad picture of an individual who's living a life that's in torment continually. Now, there's uh, all the descriptions of what demonic uh, activity is is mentioned here. Uh, one thing, one thing about when a person's possessed, 
some of the things we look for is uh, do they have extra strength, uh, normal strength? Um, they use a lot of profanity. They're dirty. Nudity is always a big thing in uh, demon possession. So these are things, and of course he's describing all, the, and of course isolation. Isolation is another thing that happens to a person. They start to move themselves away from family and friends. Well, this guy obviously uh, has had some big trouble. Uh, and so Jesus gets out of the boat. And so in the, the verses 2 through 5, hope dies when there's a crisis. When you and I have a crisis in our life, and a crisis differs from a problem in that a problem you can solve, but a crisis you can't to most of us. We don't feel like we can solve that crisis. So Jesus gets out of the boat, and the guy, he has, Jesus hasn't even finished his iced coffee yet. And this guy up on the hill spots him. Now, from Mark's point of view, this guy is spiritually lost. He has lost all personal friendships. Yeah, I bet if you could sit down with that guy for a little while, he wouldn't even know who he was anymore. Uh, he has no feelings, probably. He's probably a neutral. I hear that a lot. People say, I don't have any feelings. I've been there. I don't know what it feels like to have no feelings. He's a man with a bunch of demons in him. I mean, a guy is a mess. Now, from God's point of view, he's a creation of God. He's a person that God wants to extend his grace to. And he's a person that God heard his cries. Now, this guy is not in the tombs crying out for Jesus Christ. He's crying out for help. Uh, years ago in Bolson Spa, um, we had uh, a, a Cambodian, oh, he had been a Cambodian monk. And um, when uh, Pol Pot took over Cambodia, they were uh, communism. They kill anybody that has any intellect any scholars, any, anybody's religious. And so they were killing all the monk priests. Well, he come from a family of monks, and some of his relatives, like his uncle and his brothers, they were killed. So this guy's name was Sin Sin. So Sin Sin took his wife. I'm pretty sure I remember he had two children. So Sin Sin took his two children, and they headed off through the jungle. They're going to go to Thailand so they could get away from these communists that are killing the people. So now... Since then, had never heard the name of Jesus Christ in his entire life because this, that boy lived back in the, in the boonies. Well, anyway, uh, he said that as he was traveling, they traveled at night because it was too dangerous during the day. And so at night, this one night, they came into an open field, uh, like an open area, and the canopy was open. And since then, looked up, and he saw the stars. Of course, really dark. There's like a gazillion stars. And so they're laying there resting, and all of a sudden he realized that Buddha was a false god. Buddha was not helping them. So he looked up at the stars, and he prayed out loud, Oh, God that made the stars, creator of the stars, please save us. A couple of days later, they come to the border of Thailand, and they come up onto a dirt road. And when they get on the dirt road, they hear a vehicle coming. So he takes his family back into the trees, and he sees a jeep coming, and there's white people in the jeep, so he knew that they weren't communists. So he jumps out, and he flags them down because they're exhausted, they're hungry. Turned out to be missionaries. Missionaries. So they pick them up, and they take them to their camp. They feed them, they clothe them, and then they start talk, talking to them about Jesus Christ. 
That man got saved with his whole family because he prayed to the creator of the stars. Had no idea who that dude was. Well, turns out that the creator of the stars is Jesus Christ. Well, that's what this guy's doing. This guy don't know Jesus. This guy don't heard about Jewish people. This guy is a wild man, and he's lost his mind by this time. So when you look at this guy uh, in verses 3 through 5, he was run out of town. He had been tied and changed. Who knows what his problem was, but he was violent, that's for sure. And that's one of the signs again. So they tied him up and changed, but the guy became so strong, he's so active, he broke the change, and uh, nobody could subdue him, the Scripture says. So for 24-7, all that dude did was run around in that graveyard up there screaming, cutting himself with stones. There's a guy that wants to feel again. Now, people that cut themselves... It's not maybe not the right term, but they're called cutters. And I work with uh, some people that they cut themselves just because they want to feel something. It's a terrible thing in your life when you can't feel anything, so you hurt yourself in order to feel something. And I say to this one young lady, I said, what do you do? She said, because it feels good. It don't feel good. It hurts. But it makes her know that she's alive because it hurts. So that's what this guy's doing. And everybody's afraid of this guy. Now, he's been doing this for a long time. Now, you have to wonder yourself, how could a guy, how could a person get in that kind of a mess? So in verses 6 through 10, hope can be overcome by burdens. So if you have a lot of burdens, that can cause you, to, hope would die inside of you. Now, I learned a couple years ago that hope has substance and hope has weight. When my wife died, um, I fell into some depression, and I knew what depression was because that's what I um, that's what I do in counseling. So I knew I was getting depressed, and I knew that there was something in me missing, and I didn't know what it was. But I do know I lost six pounds. Now, people could say, "Okay, you're grieving, and you know all this stuff, and you're not eating right, and all this." So, okay, but I lost six pounds when I was able to regain hope back in my life again. That six pounds came back. I didn't change my diet. I didn't change anything that I did. So I learned from that. I said to myself, if that's the case, then hope has substance to it. And when it's missing inside of us, it drives us to a place where there's pain. We have to have hope. And burdens, if we don't deal with them, they'll overcome. So this guy, uh, I'm going to just read the 6 through 10. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send them out of the area. Now, evidently, these particular demons were territorial. Demons fall under several categories. Some of them are territorial. They hang out in certain areas. Some of them, they are personal. They like to attach to a, an individual. And some of them just kind of walk around and go where they want to go. So when you're dealing with them, you've got to find out just what brood of uh, guys you're messing with. So anyway, he spots Jesus. Now, uh, this guy is nude. He's dirty, I mean physically dirty. He's screaming. He's using profanity, and he's mean right to the bone. 
Now, this guy would not be somebody we would invite for dinner. Now, you got to ask yourself, could a Christian be like this guy? And the answer is, yeah. First thing, way, way back when I first got involved in um, thinking about deliverances, uh, that's because I went with my pastor at the time. Uh, he delivered a, a woman. Uh, she was in a, a Korean. He delivered her from a, a demon. I was. I had a chance to sit there and watch him do this, and it really amazed me. And so that's what got me interested in studying it and uh, trying to figure out how prominent it is in people. This girl was a Christian. And um, well, anyway, so here, here this guy comes. You can, if you were one of the disciples, you know, this guy out of the boat, and down the hill comes this guy screaming and hollering, this nude guy. You can imagine. They probably said, uh, Jesus, um, I'll be in the boat. Call me if you need me. You know? So, so there, this, guy, this guy comes running now. He's not afraid. Now, the interesting thing about these verses are this. It says that when he saw Jesus, he didn't see a man. Somehow in the heart of this guy, he knew who that man was. He saw Jesus. There's a time in your life and my life, I don't care how bad it is, how much hurt we got, that when Christ comes to us, we recognize that there's something different. And we need this person. Just like the night he come to me, I realized that there was a God, his name was Jesus, and I needed to receive him. Now, this guy was a pagan. He lived in a territory where they did not believe in, uh, he probably never even heard about Jehovah God. He didn't know about Jesus Christ. But in the deranged mind that he had, all the hurt that was in him, he knew it was Jesus. Now, the thing that's interesting here is it says that the man ran down to Christ. The demon didn't take him down there because demons don't want to be around Jesus. They hate the name of Christ, and they're afraid of him. Demons are afraid of Jesus, which is a good thing when you try and deliver somebody uh, from them. That's a good thing. They're afraid of somebody. Well, anyway, the man with whatever bit of strength, whatever little bit that was left in him, he drug himself down there and he fell on his knees in front of his creator. Now, he don't know what's going to happen. All he knows, he needs help. He's got no hope. Nobody loves this guy. Back in the town where he came from, they don't want nothing to do with him. So what do you do in a crisis? I mean, where are you going to go? Are you going to get back in the boat? Or are you going to have to go find the person that can help you in a crisis? And the only person that can deliver you and I from a crisis is Christ himself. Because a crisis, most generally, is spiritual. Physical things happen, but there's spiritual things behind it. But the demon is the one that spoke to Jesus, not the man. Uh, I have spoken to demons. And it's a scary thing. And they're very powerful. This guy had a legion of demons in him, that means there was 2,000. A legion, a Roman legion was 2,000. He had at least 2,000 demons in him. Now, I've talked with people that had seven, and that was hard. That was hard work. Scary. I can't imagine how this guy had enough strength to drag himself down there with 2,000 because they're all wanting to go the other way. They don't want to be around Christ. 
And so the demon gets down to him, and Jesus commands the demons to leave. And so the demons start speaking to him, and they say, well, we don't want to go. Uh, please, can you do something else with us? Because they know that uh, eventually this guy, Jesus, is going to be the one that condemns them. On the very last day, this is going to be their judge. And they know, and they actually know right now that it's not judgment time yet. So they want Jesus to send them someplace else. So Jesus says, okay. So now the interesting part here also is that Jesus asks him his name. If you don't know the name of the demon, you can't get rid of him. So in, when you do a deliverance, you have to get the name of the demon. Now, it's the same way in, in counseling when I'm working with people with a problem. You have to be able to identify the problem. If you don't identify the problem, you can't get rid of it. So the same tactics I use in deliverance are the same tactics I use in helping in counseling, and even on myself, by the way, um, is that I have, you have to find out what are the elements, what are the things that are bothering a person, what emotions are attached to it. Now, we know this guy's emotions here are really tore up. Now, I had a guy say to me, this pastor said to me, he said, well, it's impossible for a Christian to have a demon in a minute. I said, no. Every person I delivered a demon from was a Christian, born believer in Jesus Christ. Well, he said, how can that possibly be? I said, well, you have a sin nature, don't you? He said, yeah. I said, that's where they hang out. They don't live in your spirit. They don't live in your intellect. They live in your emotional side of you where your sin nature lies. And all of us have a sin nature, right? And so if, if we get down and we get pulled under and we've got serious problems we're not dealing with and there's an there's a influence that can come upon us, now sometimes they're not in us. That's called indwell. A Christian cannot be possessed. Okay, a Christian cannot be possessed. You can be indwelt. That's where they live in your body. And then there's the demons that live outside of your body that just try to influence you through your mind. A demon speaks to your intellect through your emotions. The Holy Spirit, or God the Father, speaks to your intellect through your spirit. No emotion in your spirit, it's just commandments. But when Satan talks to you and I through our emotions, there's a lot of emotion there, and sometimes they'll say, well, I don't want to do that, that's going to be too hard, you know? So we do what we feel, not what we know, right? And that's what Satan does. He works in the area where we feel because he's easier to control us there. So I guess what I want to say is that a Christian can get this way. If you can, we can get this way by denying Christ or not dealing with the results of sin that we've had in our life before we got saved. And so a demonic force don't really care if, you, if you're a believer or not as long as you don't follow him. As long as you don't obey Jesus, that's cool. They don't care if you're saved or not, basically. Just don't believe and follow because now they control you, and they can make us a mess. Now, I deal with troubled children. I have a work in an organization for uh, teenagers that are going through stuff. But right now, the group, most of them are all 14 and 15 years old. They have experienced more terrible things in their life than most average adult does in their whole life. And these kids can tell stories that will curl your hair. So Satan wants to destroy the younger generation because if he gets them, he's got the world. So he's always after the, the young ones. So this guy, um, 
This guy, is he's given up. And that's what happens to you and I after a while. We have a crisis for such a long time, we'll eventually give up. It's not working. You've been praying. God hasn't answered your prayers. You, haven't, you don't even know if the dude's listening to you no more. And so you quit. I quit one time. It's a terrible thing to quit. But I said to myself, what is the point of me praying? God has not answered a single prayer I've had. I ain't praying for me no more. I'll ask somebody else to do it. So I went and found what I thought was prayer warriors, and I asked them folks to pray for me because he wasn't listening to me, at least in my mind. So this guy's life is surrounded by darkness. He's been abused. He's been humiliated. He's violent. He's been abandoned by God, at least the God that he believed in before he got crazy. And he's full of hate for himself and other people, this guy. I mean, this guy would take, you know, if, I, if he had come in my office, I'd probably be working this guy for four years or something. You know what I mean? This dude is in deep trouble. No one's going to help him. No one's going to come and give him hope. No one's going to talk to him about peace. No one's going to talk to him about how to get better because everybody's afraid of him. And so the verses that we have here, with 6 through 10, are really a picture of hell. This guy is living in hell. It's a place of darkness. He's living in the tombs. It's a place of loneliness. The demons have driven him away to solitary places. It's a place of confinement. He's been forced in chains. They locked him up, they, and they, he couldn't, uh, they couldn't control him. The place where the emotion, emotional, there's physical, spiritual pain. He's, he's crying out. He's cutting himself because he wants help. A cutter wants help. And it's a place of a continuous pain day and night. When a person gets locked into depression or panic attacks, it's day and night, day and night. There's no relief to that person. And that is a horrible thing to watch somebody in severe depression. And that's why I do counseling, because I don't want to see anybody suffer severe depression. My wife suffered it for a lot of years, and I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't do anything to seem to help her, and it was painful. But I decided that that's where God's called me to do it. So anyway, verses 11 through 15, that hope restored brings victory. So a large, uh, there's a large herd of uh, pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the the steep bankmen into the lake and were drowned. And those tending the sheep ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the demons uh, sitting there, dressed in, in his right mind, and they were afraid. You would think that them folks would be jumping for joy. Man, a miracle. Nobody could help this guy. Doctors couldn't help him. Nobody could. They locked him up. That didn't help him. They took him off of these, his drugs. That didn't help him. They locked him up so he couldn't get beer and drugs in his body. to make no difference. The guy was wild. And so you would think that they would be excited. Well, no, they're afraid. They're upset, as a matter of fact. They're not just afraid. They're upset. Now, they're upset because, good grief, they just lost the paycheck. These guys are pig farmers. This is a bad place for Jewish boys to be anyway. It's not only gentle lamb, but, they're, but they, they've raised pigs. 
If you know anything about the Jewish faith, they don't want to be around pigs, right? And that's, that's where Jesus is amongst all these pigs. So I can kind of imagine these guys pulling up in their pickup trucks and jumping out and, you know, looking at the pigs are all in the lake doing the belly up dance. You know, they're all dead. You know, I can imagine they're calling home saying, forget the Disney trip this, this year. We just lost all of our money. We're not going to go to Disney World, you know. The pig co-op, they probably went online and sold all their, all their shares. You know what I mean? This is bad news. So everything is going wrong. And, uh, and so it's an interesting thing that nature will not stand for demonic pressure. Committed suicide. The only place that they work on is people. Because why? We let them. We let them. Because when they come to you and I, they tell us uh, a demon will tell you something that's going to be good for you. You know, uh, I'll, we'll help you out here. You can make this thing right. And they lie to us. And the Bible says that we're to look out for deception, right? A demon will always lie. When Jesus comes to you and I, he comes to bring us peace, joy, healing, safety, happiness. I mean, on and on and on goes the list. When Satan comes to us, he comes through drugs and sex and alcohol, and he lies, he lies, and his job is to kill us. He wants to kill you. As a believer, he hates your guts. As a human being, he don't like you either. But as a Christian, he hates you. And you never will understand that until you talk to one of them. First time I did that, the hair on my body stood right up. I kid you not. It was the most frightening thing I ever ever did. And uh, it's not a fun thing, but I know it's got to be done sometimes. Because now, So now Jesus is showing his power not over the physical world, but now it's over the spiritual world. When you use the name of Christ, demons have to listen to you. And they do listen to you, and they are afraid of you. When you're under the power of God, they are afraid of you. And that's where you want them. You don't want them dudes thinking that they're better than you, because they're not. So anyway, the people get all mad, so they want Jesus to get out of town. They want him to leave. Man, I can't hardly buy into that. You know what I mean? If you ever saw a miracle, would you, want to, would you want him to leave? You'd want him to do a couple more, I think. But they want him to go. So Jesus says, okay. See, if you don't want Christ in your life as a Christian or a non-believer, guess what? He will leave you. Jesus only comes when we ask him to. One of the scriptures I use a lot in counseling is Genesis chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 through 28, and verse 2 says, And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Now that verse 2 is a picture of a person that's lost their way. I was that person at one time, and everybody in here was that person one time. Darkness and empty. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God hovered. Well, what's he hovering for? He's waiting for us to ask him in. Like Jesus and I stand at the door in Revelations. I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. Well, he's waiting for us to ask him in. Satan don't wait to be asked in. He's there. You show a little weakness, the man's there. And he's going to mess with you and hurt you as much as he can. So that's why we want, we want Christ to be there. So anyway, what happens is it says that when they show up, the guy is in his right mind. Now, the people are amazed, but they want Jesus to leave. Well, the guy don't want to leave. The guy wants to get in the boat with Jesus. 
I mean, if I had just come out of a th situation like that, I'd want to go with him too. Wouldn't you want to go? Go to a place where there's peace for a change. Quit bleeding. Quit cutting. Quit being drunk. Quit being crazy. Boy, that's what a good, to feel, feel the sunshine, feel the breeze on your face. It's great, you know. So Jesus said, no, you can't, you're not going to go. Here's a guy that just got saved. He has got a life that is so bad that if you put that on paper, it'd probably be like 40 sheets. The dude is no good. And what does God do with that guy? He tells him to go home and tell his family what Christ has done for him. This guy, more than likely, was the first missionary to the Gentiles. I mean, you just got saved, man. You just got it right. And God's asked you to do something? So what we find out here is that hope will always have an action. When hope comes back to you and I, it is so good, and then we'll find out God is going to want us to do something. Every person in the Bible that God saved or healed or brought back from the dead he always told them to go somewhere and do something. So healing leads to action. Now, the people didn't want Jesus there. You can kick Jesus out of your life if you don't want him there. But this guy is so happy. I just can't imagine. Now, I'm sure he was a father because they said he's going back to his family. So I'm sure the man was a father. He had, you know, he probably had mother and dad. I mean, we don't know how old he was, but um, he's going to go back to his family which was the hardest. What did Jesus say about our families? They'll be the hardest people against us, right, when we change? And where's this guy going to go? Back to his family. He's going to go back into the community he came from, and he's going to go back there looking like a normal guy again, and he's going to go back there with a message that Jesus is a winner. If you lean on Christ, you're going to win. But it could take time to shake out all these little boogie, I call them boogeymans, to chase these boogeymans out of your life. But you've got to be able to recognize them, and you've got to be able to stand, stand against them. And can you do that? And the answer is, yeah. If this guy can get saved, there is nobody that's unsavable. If this guy can do it. Now, the Bible says it's not the will of the Father that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of Christ, right? It's God's will. So there's no sin that won't be forgiven. This guy, just like this girl told this pastor, you don't know what I've done. And the pastor said to her, don't make no difference. God will forgive everything that you've done. And she couldn't hardly grasp that. But we've got to keep reinforcing that to this young lady. She's lived in the society of uh, Satanists for so long, she doesn't know what forgiveness is. Satan don't teach forgiveness. Well, anyway... The guy uh, goes back, Jesus leaves, and the community around that graveyard remains the same. Now, what I'm here to tell you is, is that God saves. God wants to help us through any problem that we got. And on the other side of that tomb, is, it can be a life that's filled with joy and peace and happiness if we're willing to follow this Jesus. We just got to run to him. When things get tough, the going get tough, you run to the man and you ask him for help. That's H-E-L-P. You may not know what that's going to look like, but God will bring resources to you if you ask him, and he will help you through whatever problem that there is. So let me just uh, close with a short prayer. 
Uh, Father, I just thank you um, uh, for this hope that you have placed in this particular portion of Scripture. Uh, no matter, Lord, if our, uh, we look at our problems and we see them as emotional sometimes, and when we do, we, we call that depression. And uh, sometimes we see issues that we have that, that they have come because of physical problems that we have that um, and we call that something else. But, Lord, behind the scenes, in a lot of cases of our life, there is a spiritual battle also. And the, Pastor Nathan talked about last week, I think it was, that we battle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities of the air. Our lives are locked in spiritual warfare every day. Thank you, Lord, that we have a God that is more powerful, more loving, more forgiving than anything that's on this earth. Thank you that we can come to you with our problems and give them to you, and you will help us find a way to overcome them. But we have to want to change. This guy wanted to change. He was tired of living in the trash, and you brought him to the sunshine. So thank you, Father. And so I pray your blessing on this congregation. And I ask, Father, that uh, as we go out today, that our hearts will be moved and desire to follow after a God that cares about us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.